countdown to the last comic shop in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Where we search through those never-ending rows of long boxes to hold make sure it, we- hold it, hold it, hold it, wait, 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 we aren't searching through nothing this week. You think I wouldn't put two and six together? That's eight. Yeah, this might be the week for turkey, but I've got some beef with you, Mr. Host with the most Andy Larson. Wait, 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 hold on. Bring those potatoes down to a simmer, Chad. Thanksgiving is a time for fellowship, not whatever this is. Yeah, man, I made candy yams with marshmallows and everything. And they're delightful. But don't think you can butter me up, Mr. Crescent Rolls, Mr. Candied Yams. Oh, these are these are good yams. Is that molasses? Yes, well, you know, the secret is to add that right at the end so it coats the yam. Uh, and no, just... no, 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 we're not here to talk about potatoes. I have beef with Andy. See, I'm the official rating record keeper for a year in review, which is coming up. And I was tallying the results, and I discovered last week was our 100th show. Yeah? And? And 100 shows means celebrations! They mean clip shows they mean don't read a book that way so your hosts can slack off and enjoy the day and this sir this will not stand look i've given you guys tons of days off already this year as anyone that listens to our show regularly will attest yeah but that was then this is this week and on this most hallowed week of the giving of thanks i demand that we give thanks for the fact that our fans have gotten a hundred shows worth of comic book reviews. By not giving them another comic book review? Exactly. What better way to honor all four of our fathers, like Abraham Lincoln and Davy Crockett, who brought us together on this day to relax and watch football games and not read comics. And when we conquered the zombies that crossed the Potomac, when Zombies Amelia, on the Potomac? When, when yeah. Amelia Earhart, forget it, he's rolling. Flew us, flew us off into the Bermuda Triangles of Justice. And for all these things, we must celebrate. And, uh, and yeah, I, I need a break. All right. Well, you know what? I, I, I want to celebrate our 100th show in peace as well with some turkey legs and terrible Detroit Lions football. So, yeah. Let's go down in our vault. We'll rev up the Archive Rama 3000. I think it's fixed now. And we'll give our fans something from our archives. So let's see what we can find. I still can't believe you didn't tell anybody last week was our 100th show. You know how many shows that is in dog years? Dog years? Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure that's how it, things work. Well, speaking of work, what past content should we pull up on the Archive Rama 3000 this week? J.A., it's your pick. Well, what about in honor of all our great shows, we celebrate by featuring some of the terrific guests we've had on. You know, Howard Chaikin, uh, Mikey Wood, Ben Morse. No, I, I like that idea. We did that review of Howard Chaikin's Twilight that we've never aired on this particular show. And since I wasn't going to be on the show that week, I never finished. I'm really excited to hear about it. <laughs> That's right. Chad never got to hear this. So let's go ahead and rev up that Archive Rama 3000 here on that wonderful Turkey Day to give you all some things to give thanks for. All right, we're back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it is now time for our Read Pot with you. Yes, where we have uh, comic book creators come onto our show and say, these are books that we like, and then make us read them. That's what Ben Morris, our wonderful friend that we had on a previous show when he talked about his books, We Are Scarlet Twilight in August, he recommended on that show that we check out Twilight. And as a result, we needed to have him back on the show to talk more about this awesome book. So, yeah, we got Ben back on the show. Welcome back to the last time shot, Ben. Happy to be here. <laughs> Especially glad to talk about this book, which is just endlessly fascinating with great art, great writing. All mm-hmm. right. Well, let's jump right into it. It was a three-part miniseries done by who, J.A.? Twilight 
was produced uh, sort of for DC's prestige line, written by Howard Chaikin with wonderful, wonderful, wonderful art by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez and colors by Steve Olaf and Ken Bruzinek did the lettering. Let's get that 10 cent synopsis from Mikey Wood, who's a huge fan of the works yeah. of Howard Chaikin, as you yeah. might have heard. Uh, when he gushed all over him during that awesome interview <laughs> that you can check out on lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Uh, uh, but yeah, what happens in this? Keep it to 10 cents, Mikey, don't. Oh, no, I'll, I'll keep it to 5 cents. It's, it's basically the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen with DC Comics Silver Age space characters like Tommy Tomorrow and Star Hawkins and the Star Rovers and Manhunter 2070 and and Space Cat <laughs> all all of these yeah. wonderful Silver Age space characters brought in and given Howard Chaikin's little twist on them. So, right. uh, yeah. and I, I won't lie, the only one that I had heard of prior to reading this week's book was space cabby and i mm. kind of sort of knew him from i don't know my kids watch uh i think it's justice league action that's justice it. league action is awesome yes and i think pat oh. oswald does space cabby on sure. that so that was the only person that i knew and so i had to look them all up tommy tomorrow kind of like almost like a sidekick yeah in that series and then uh, star rovers were three characters that would just find themselves in the same place a lot of the times. Yeah. It was only, the way that I read it, it almost sounded like wacky races. Like they would just show up, but they, oh, we're all trying to get the same thing. And here's the archaeologist, and here's the playboy, and here's the Mag mm-hmm. Mikey. Have you read any of those original series? I, I've read them because of Twilight. And, and you know, they're that Silver Age goofy kind of thing. You know, they're, they're, they're super fun. Uh, the other one that, that shows up is Manhunter, what, 2070, which... Yeah. Um, I was trying to think, is that like just a continuation of all the other Manhunter characters that DC no. had at the time? Like mm-hmm. it's not Paul Kirk or anything like that? I don't I don't believe so. I think it was like a showcase thing or something, if I remember correctly. And it was a, um, like a bounty hunter kind of situation, if I believe. Let me see. It was, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, showcase number 91, Manhunter 2070. He, he's a bounty hunter. He's not a Manhunter as far as like the... No man escapes the Manhunters. At least I don't think so. I'll have to read it. So he doesn't dress like one. He's he definitely doesn't. He kind of dresses like Barry Windsor Smith's uh, interpretation of Armstrong from the Archer and Armstrong comic. Yeah. Like it's the same bulky guy with dirty coat and all right, the art is paw. It is. It's great. It's wonderful mm-hmm. stuff. And I think that's where we're going to start with uh, yeah. our our initial thoughts. And this is again, this is Ben's book of all the books. Ben could have picked for the last comic shop. Like, why Why this one? Like, of all the books, you're like, no, I got to so read this. I think this is a good segue because what brought me to this book is the artwork. I am a gigantic Garcia Lopez fan. When you talk about comic book art, I don't think anyone has done it better or ever will do it better. So what was really cool about this is not only that it's his artwork, but it is him doing a really f- giant, epic science fiction tale. We've mentioned that there are a lot of characters from the 50s, 60s, Silver Age DC era. I think artistically, if you look at Garcia Lopez's work, it's generally really tight, very soft shading. He's done something very different in this book. He's kind of taken a, a bolder approach. It's heavier in line work. He does these spaceships that are really detailed, but he doesn't get into the rendering of them as much. Uh, part of that is, I think, because they were leaving room for the amazing colors that Steve Olyph did which at the time were really groundbreaking. But when you look at this artwork, I think there was a huge Mobius influence. There's a huge Meseret's influence. The sort of new wave science fiction stuff we saw in the 70s from France and other places. So it's also an amazing stepping stone when you look at Garcia Lopez's regular work, when he draws Superman on a lunchbox or a comic book. It's amazing to see him do something different with this stuff while retaining like everything that's great about his stuff. Yeah, incredible art. It was interesting. I think, Ben, you mentioned it earlier that uh, Steve Oliff, the colors, it really did remind me of early Valiant work. You know, very clean lines, almost watercolory, the way the colors were applied. A Magnus Robot Fighter, sort of Bob Layton-esque. 100%. (laughs) um, 
and it just and you can see where they obviously they were channeling that when they were at Valiant they were channeling Twilight and and sort of this is a precursor to all that and the double page spreads of those spaceships where it's yeah. so detailed so intricate it reminded me of these books I used to get when I was a child of like a train scene in Europe where it's so detailed that you could go into the illustration and you can see this little tiny half inch drawing of a man selling a baguette, you know, in one little corner of this massive Paris train station or something. That's what it felt like. These giant panels of just spaceship. You could spend 10 minutes just looking at the little details, the intricacies of, of what's going on, you know, kind of hidden behind the story you even mentioned that mikey would that every time you read it you see something different and you were you're picking up the names of some of these shops that you know it's there it's there for you to find it doesn't add anything to the, well it adds to the story but it, it's like you don't need to read it or see it to understand what's going on but then you see it again it's just like an onion you're peeling those mm-hmm. little bits and i think that's that's the art garcia lopez's stuff it's sort of like a, a merging of his work in Atari Force and then something like Cinder and Ash that he did, which was like a real world detective book, which is great. And more people should, should read Cinder and Ash. It was a four issue miniseries. It was, it was fabulous. But um, the, the lettering in it is really cool because Ken, Ken Brusenak did American Flag, you know, and American Flag is Chicken's like masterpiece books. And, and one of the things about that book that's so fabulous is this lettering and the way that he does it. And when you read Twilight, you could see like the sound effects, especially like it looks very much like uh, American flag and that it's got that really cool vibe to it. The, this world feels like lived in and, 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 you know, it's dirty and broken and so are the people. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I, and I kind of want to pivot to that. I'm I'm just going to put it out there. I I love the artwork and and generally I do like Howard Chaikin's writing. I, sometimes it's hard for me to get over. There's a lot of cynicism in his, in his writing. There's a lot of darkness in his writing. And there's also a lot of layers to be honest. And I I think if you're coming into this book for the first time, if you're picking it up, if you find it, it can be daunting because especially if you don't know these characters from Adam, which most people don't, I mean, that's a blessing and it's a curse. You know, it's a blessing because you can do whatever the heck you want with them because nobody cares about these people. It's not like uh, Howard Chaikin's taking Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman. Who cares what they do with Star Hawkins? Like, nobody knows who that person is. But at the same time, without that context of knowing who Star Hawkins is, some of the subtle winks and nods to that, that previous character that may have existed in the Silver Age, they go over your head. And then you're kind of like, all right, do I got to do research on this? Because if I do, I don't know if that's entertainment. What you were saying about the characters is I don't think I was familiar with any of these characters. I actually don't think I've ever researched them in any detail. But I could tell from reading it the first time they had a history I wasn't aware of. And I think the same way that we come and do X-Men comics or even people enter a soap opera, they're, they're not coming in from the absolute beginning, but they, they sort of get their legs. Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, in this story, I was not familiar with anybody in it. I think I probably heard the name Tommy Tomorrow. At the same time, I got which characters had histories from this thing. He was alluding to things without really going too much into it. And while I didn't know those things or necessarily research them, I understood the weight of the history of those characters. I, I think that gave it a lot more depth. You can enjoy it just for what it is you can enjoy it uh, enjoy it on face value for the three issues that takes up the thing and you could see them as it and then and then you know you can say okay you know who are these people where do you get these the the characters from and then when you you really i mean it's it's not so much like i i said league of extraordinary gentlemen in the beginning but it's not like that in the case that in those books alan moore has this encyclopedic knowledge of all british adventure characters like ever like things that you would not even <laughs> references that the people like sax romer would read and he wouldn't even know that that was a reference to alan quartermain you know i don't think it's like that i don't think it's it's that in depth of a thing and and i i always wonder how they come up with these pitches like how 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 he came up with this was he like you yeah, know i want to do something with it or did somebody come to him like i know i i read just recently about tom king 
King's Heroes in Crisis and how King was actually uh, given a list of characters he could use for the story. Like he had the idea for the story already and he had started writing it. And then DC was like, no, nah, you can't use these characters, but you could use these guys. So I wonder, and, and at the time that this came out, you know, this was 1990, 1991. Nobody was into this kind of stuff. They didn't, they were forgotten. Sometimes he writes stories that have a meaning other than the meaning. And then sometimes it's just adventure. It's just the story is what it is. So I wonder which one this is. I wonder if it's like a, a cynical talk about the longevity of characters and things to that effect. Or I wonder if I'm just reading too much into it. And if it's just about, you know, you know, I don't know. Well, you brought up an interesting point, Mikey, about the fact that like maybe Howard had other characters involved because some of them, I think the most interesting aspect of the entire story was I think the tail end of issue one into issue two. Basically, you've got the, this explosion that happens and it kills one of the star rovers. The other one, becomes a goddess incarnate and out of all this then there's like this huge religion just comes out yeah and and it it gets an opportunity for howard to talk about how (laughs) religion starts at a certain place i think isn't there a, a line somewhere that like if it hadn't been for Pontius Pilate, like nobody would have cared yeah, about yeah, Christianity. Yeah. But at the same time, that that character of the woman, if, if he actually had in his mind somebody that was more important to the DC universe, doesn't it seem like it should be somebody more important? Like, I don't know, Wonder Woman, like Light the goddess. Nope. I get a little bit of a Lois Lane vibe from her. Something. Yeah. Somebody that's hard to explain a little bit, but yeah, yeah. But I mean, those characters weren't what he was writing about. It's almost more interesting when you when you read, you know, like so. She's just this person who's thrust into this position. If it was anybody more important, it would have had less of an impact. I mean, you also got to think about who Howard is as a writer. You know, he's a 1960s New York Democrat Jewish guy who he has that cynicism oozing out of it like like you know and and if everything you write has that sort of sort of vibe to it so it's just i don't know it just kind of made sense to me that a lot of clouds don't have silver linings you know a lot of them just they they, it's just a darker cloud there's a real like philip k dick vibe about Mm -hmm. how he especially how he approaches carol the reporter character who becomes a god and he mentions a lot of the sort of mundane things about her for instance, that implant that is a like a news recorder of some kind mm-hmm. has a hum. He always mentions hearing that hum. And I think that's such a visceral thing to put in a comic. Obviously, we see sound effects. I don't think they ever use that as a sound effect, but he mentions the sound effect. One of my favorite writers is Ian Fleming. The thing I like about the novels is if it's in a hot place, he describes it in a way that you feel really mm. you're sweating almost. If somebody gets punched, you feel it in your teeth. Uh, I think what Shaken did here, when he, especially when he approached Carol, and he said, oh, you always hear that hum of that recording device, and it's almost her trademark, and it becomes a very human thing to attach to what becomes a very godlike character. Mm-hmm. And he always takes pains. I think at one point, Homer, who's, again, sort of the narrator of the story, more or less, mentions that you know he can always hear the hum, and he also sometimes hears her when they create like a church of her, and they have songs and you know psalms and all this sort. She'll like hum the ones she likes to herself yeah, without yeah. realizing it. And it just gives you these incredibly like what I would think of as Fleming esque or Philip K. Dick esque touches that just really put you there. So even though they're like disjointed, it, in twelve issues it might have really gotten you into every facet of the characters. So you you only glance on things that you might want to know more about. But he does at times give you really good touches of character that just you completely walk away feeling you know these characters. You feel like you were there just a little bit. And this is one of those kind of lesser known books. You know, you could find this one in dollar bins and things like that. It always seems to me like some of the best books are the ones that not a lot of people paid much attention to for, for whatever reason. Do you think it's because it's very dense? It's not the mm-hmm. most approachable material. It's hard to get into. It's long. I mean, you know, 50 pages just for one, and then you've got three issues of that. I think it can feel a bit daunting, yeah. especially to Great. maybe newer newer comic book readers. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, even, even myself, I picked it up. I started reading it, and I was like, you know, 20 pages in. I'm like, 
what journey have I just signed on to? Because well, yeah. I have two choices here. I can soldier on and try to make sense of it, or I can go back and reread every single panel because I am lost. I'm in the weeds at this moment. Some Planet of the Apes guy just got his head cut off, and <laughs> I don't know what's yeah. going on. I'm yeah. still a little confused about that. Yeah. Well, no, it was the idea of the revolution. You know, you had these hybrid animal humans that had teamed up with uh, machines and they were, you know, as 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 human beings would react. The first thing they need to do is either subjugate them or destroy them, because that's what human beings do. Were the the ape robot revolutions? Were they in the old comics? That's I mean, I I don't know the story. It's a good point. It feels like they're being referred to. And I was always a little confused. I don't know. Because they get but right into it. It did I, make me think a little bit about Commandy a little bit. Yeah. Um, exactly. well, yeah. Well, what I was going to say was, there were times with this that I thought that there were also rabbit holes. I don't know if this is really necessary. I get to the point that you want to try to make it the universe lived in. But if the entire story is just about how immortality is a curse, honestly, the Star Hawking's character, I don't know if that really added much to the story really the story was about carol and tommy tomorrow yeah. like they they were the yin and the yang of that story and yeah. their conflict well, was what the story was about it felt Why like did, it was star hawkins it was like oh well star hawkins was like a cool guy in the comics but really he was a dick mm, like that's yeah. everything about star hawkins well, and twilight seemed like that yeah in the old com in the old comics it was it was the robot sidekick that did everything basically and, oh, okay. and star hawkins took credit for it there's also an underlying theme of people's perception and how someone is created into something and the, the, the legend that, that they – so you could almost go back and look at those old comics if you wanted to as being propaganda about these guys like Billy the Kid and, and, and Jesse James. And they were immortalized and made into heroes in the dime novels because – they, they read these adventures and then and so you could almost look at the comics as these sort of like pulp dime store or dime novel adventures of these people that were actually very flawed and very broken and and and, and all these other things which which is funny because people tend to forget that you know billy the kid murdered people you know like but at the same time like why is star hawkings there like why like why, why is the character why uh, again why not it's if you're trying to tell a story, I- I'm sorry, like some of these things just they just seem to be taking up pages in the narrative, which you could cut the p- narrative down from 50 to 30, make it more digestible to readers and just not even have these stories. Like, well, the ultimate story and the story that makes sense, because I, I honestly I, I got to certain parts with Star Hawkins. I was just like, he's just going to be a dick for the next couple of pages. Well, who cares about this? It's to everybody. You hate him. Like his brother, actually, the Manhunter 2070 character actually has somewhat of an arc. He yeah. reminds me of that grizzled old gunslinger character yeah. that like fell in love and had, you know, and then got all beaten up and runs from town to town. And, you know, it, it, you feel for him a lot. You do. But at the same time, he also has nothing to do with the plot either. He's just there. It's, it's a he subplot. Just kind of turns up at the end and that's what it was all about. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. I, I, I'm i just saying, like, to Jay's point, I think you could have cut some of this stuff oh. out, made it a, a, a more consistent story, and probably it would have sold better. That's I just think my the, thought. The thing I think about with Twilight, you know, as I become more familiar with the Silver Age characters, not that I've gone back and read a lot of the old comics, which I, I you know, one of these days, as everyone says, mm. I, I think of Kingdom Come a lot. There are things in Kingdom Come that happen because we need to see all right, what's Aquaman doing? Aquaman has to be something with this, right? It's not really relevant to the story, but you have to address it. A lot of this feels like Paul Levitt saying, like, do these characters. No less and no more. Power okay. shaking. Oh, yeah, that that makes sense to me. If like, it was an editorial mandate. Yeah, because um, like, if you look at, like, how Alan Moore wanted to do Watchmen, he wanted to do the Charlton Heroes. And you're like, yeah, maybe not. He had a sense of, like, I want to take these particular people and do something with them. I don't know if there's a mandate, but maybe the Chaikin or someone who approached the story and had some input was like, these characters ought to be involved or people would maybe expect them to be involved. Because there are things, like you're right, both Hawkins and Starker, you could take them out and the story would be fine. It would be exactly the same. 
All right, so it's it's now time for rating. So we're going to go ahead and give this, uh, as we often do on the last comic shop, a one out of four scale. And J.A. is going to be nice enough to give us that one out of four scale for Twilight. Have fun with this one. One out of four eternal lives. Ooh. Well, that was easy enough. It sounds like the Heaven's Gate's opening up. That seems fine. Great sound effect. All right, so we're going to start off with you, J.A., you came up with this. How many eternal lives are you living? So I'm going to give it a solid three. Um, as I said, it's dense. I, I found it a little bit hard to approach. And on rereading parts, it improved. So it's it's like a fine wine. You have to let it sit, I think, and open up a bit. But the artwork, if you just get it for the artwork alone... It's more than enough. And then everything that we talked about, you know, with with Howard Chaykin brings to the table, it's great. If if you can find it in buck bins, that's even better. I highly recommend reading it. Again, it is a bit dense. So give yourself some time and push through, I would say. Mm -hmm. That would be my advice for people who are struggling with with the content. All right, Mikey, you're up next. How many uh, eternal lives are you giving it? Out of four, I'm I'm gonna say like uh, I'll say like a three and a half. Yeah, like I can I can see why it would be. The narration boxes kind of throw people off because if you don't remember who's talking, it's kind of like wait a minute, you know. One of my first experiences with Howard Chicken's writing was Blackhawk, and that was a really dense three issue thing too. So I just I love it, and the, you know as much as I love Chicken's artwork, which which I do, the Garcia Lopez is like a, like an added wonderful you know thing in there. I don't know. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> that's that's fine. I'll go up next. I'm gonna give this probably a, a 2.75. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, yeah, because you know me. I am not the biggest Howard Shaken fan. Yeah. I will say this: that if you're picking this up, it was probably better when it was released back in the day when you could take about a month off in between readings. It's sometimes a problem with this particular show that I've got to read all three books back to back. This is the kind of book with the denseness that, like, things started to bleed into each other after a while. And I felt myself going like, oh, boy, here's another huge text box that I got to read. You know, I'm trying to follow this plot about Tommy tomorrow and Carol. Like, that's the plot I'm I'm in. I like those characters. I like Homer. I, those are the characters I'm invested in. I don't need all this other stuff. And so it became very distracting after a while. And if I got to call a spade a spade, when I get distracted with a comic book, I start tuning out. I start putting it down. And so it's one of those things where it was, you know, to Jay's point, it was a little bit of a struggle at times. I got to admit, though, that the the art saves it. The art saves it so many times. And some of it's gruesome. Like there's a scene at the end of issue one where like Tommy Tomorrow runs up and I don't know, grabs what is, is in essence a smurf and just starts like eating it, devouring it like it's Sunday yeah. chicken. Because it gives you eternal it, life. It, yeah. Cia Lopez actually somehow makes that look sort of normal, which is only more yeah. horrifying. Right. And it's fine that we're eating these. No, it's not. Like this thing. Well, he's also <laughs> crazy. Like he, he he's also a madman. And and the other character there whose last name is Wood, actually. It's really funny. He's the only one that almost gets laid too in the whole book, which is really funny. Uh, no relation, by the way, to me. But like uh, he's standing there like, what are you doing? You know, like he's watching this guy eat these little duck people. And um and and actually it's they're almost genocide that grants her godlike powers, which well, is kind of yeah, and it's it's great imagery than that next page where like she's getting the godhood and it's like you know her on top of her on top of her on top of her in the mushroom cloud. That's a great image. I still don't understand how it works, but it's beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> I thought she died. I was just like, is she dead? Then she comes back as the queen next time. I'm like, okay, she didn't yeah. die. All right, who cares? Kind right, yeah. And that's the kind of thing. It was just like if there's enough moments like that where I'm like, eh, who cares? I'm just gonna move forward. It, it can't be a three. I'm sorry. I hate to heart break some hearts, but that's me. I've noticed. No, I've noticed that you you always say things could be cut down, whereas I never want less comics ever. <laughs> like I guess that's why. Like I prefer the Lord of the Rings expand extended editions over the original ones. And why I'm a, watch yeah. a- I mean, I mean, as a as a writer, I have all these ideas. They're all there in my head. These characters have these aspects. But then there's like the roller coaster ride a story needs to be. Yeah. 
it's harder it's hard to wrestle with. Right. And sometimes yeah. less is more. Less is sometimes more. And and sometimes if you have these wonderful visuals too, why don't you let the visuals sometimes speak for, for the story? I, I just don't I don't get it. It's I don't yeah. Yeah, it's like story economics is, is kind of what it is. It's conservation of story. It's like yeah. cut out all that I have a hard time with that, you know. Yeah, I, you know, I do too. You got your eye on that on that roller coaster ride. Like this is a four issue series. Whatever it is, you've gotta frame your experience to that level and twilight doesn't really do that you're correct right right it's it, it should be more of like a 12 issue epic but it's not yeah. it's three issues and so therefore everything seems very rushed and crammed a lot of these concepts need time to breathe but you're not giving them any time to breathe you're just jumping to the next thing and i get it then you've got to cut the fat how we're yeah. shaking you've got to cut the fat because <laughs> we only have so much of our stomach for this steak so anyways Ben, what's your rating? Uh, how many eternal lives are you giving this? It's, it's right. your pick, so it's got to so, be. Art-wise, just to be an aside, art-wise, this is an 89.5 out of 4. <laughs> As a comic, I'm going to give it a 3, and I, I'm going to even qualify the 3. Um, I've mentioned David Lynch's Dune a lot in context with his story. That's a flawed movie. It's actually a terrible movie, but there's just so much there to go back to. It's rich. There is just so much to plumb there. If you're a viewer, you, you can watch it a million times. There is so much visual stuff. There is just a lot to feast on, and there's a lot to think about. I think this story does that. I will say that I prefer a story that just goes a little bit too high, gives you a little bit too much, doesn't pace it outright, but gives you a lot to think about, a lot to come back to. I've read Twilight probably 20 times. Uh, I got into it for the art, and I still go back to it for the art. But there's a richness to the story that I keep going back to and discovering because it hints to a large world, a lot of rich characters. There's a lot to uncover. I think if you are a cold plot person, how does this work? It's probably a 1.5. I mean, if you just need to go from point A to point B, it doesn't do that. But it does offer a lot, and that's why I have to give it a 3. Okay, cool. So yeah, you and J.A. get us to the commercial break. I don't know what you said. Let's go to commercial. Sounds good. (laughs) You guys are dicks. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, last comic shop. This is Nick from the St. Paul Filmcast and one half of the YouTube channel, Kyle Nick on Film, saying congratulations on your 100th episode. It's a great milestone in podcasting, as we all know. I love listening to you guys when I'm making my own comic books for Parapet Comics, LLC. And also, I want to say uh, thank you for you guys' support of my shows as well. It means a lot. And so, once again, congratulations on your 100th. I'm looking forward to another 100 episodes. And if you are interested, let's do it again when you reach 200. Congratulations, guys. Well done. Gobble Gobble, it is more of our Turkey Day 101st show extravaganza thingy. Chad didn't want to do any work, and now that we're done with that particular part of the show with the review, it looks like we still need to fill some time. So, suggestions? Yeah, why don't we look at all those voicemails that people keep leaving us, or we ask them to leave us, because, you know, we didn't get to all of them the last time. Right, that is true. And there may be some more from some of our former guests that wished us well. Our 100th show last week. Because they knew and uh, we didn't. You're never going to let this down, are you? I have a really bad memory, so next week. But for now. Oh, no. Here's some more. Here, eat some more turkey. That's got tryptophan. Maybe you'll fall asleep. But anyways, yeah, let's rub it up and see uh, what kind of messages were left by our former guests. Our gracious guests. Welcome to the Archive Rama 3000 voicemail messaging service. Loading message 6112. Hey guys, Alan Dunford here, co-writer and co-creator of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw. First off, I just want to say congratulations to you guys and thank you all so much for always being so warm and welcoming to me every time I need to come on and pitch a new stupid project that I'm working on. But yeah, so my question for you guys is, 
what comic book character, superhero, whatever, do you guys clash on with a difference of opinion? For example, uh, one of you guys thinks Batman's awesome, and then the other one's wrong and thinks he's not. All right, thank you guys again for everything, and I'm sure I'll be uh, back on soon bugging you guys again. So that was our great question from Alan Dunford, uh, the writer of Pocus Hocus and Grandma Chainsaw and a lot of great stuff. And we had yeah. him on a show just a couple of months ago. And I was going to say, and dude, that's welcome to come back anytime you'd like. Yeah. yeah. Love to have Alan. Absolutely. And so that's a great question from Alan. Comic book characters that we clash on regularly. So I can't, I can't think of any characters. No, that's not true. There's a couple. But I can't think of anything where all three of us have diametrically different positions. Oh, really? Because I'm not a huge fan of the X-Men, and you guys love the X-Men. I'm in that minority that thinks, like, most of the X-Men books are crap. (laughs) They they, they just go on for too long, and, like, maybe it was just because I was reading in, like, the late 80s and 90s, and everybody was into them, and the Jim Lee art, and... Like, it was towards the tail end of the Chris Claremont, so, like, Chris was starting to get supplanted by more of the art, and so, like, I don't know. I never got Omega Red. Can anybody explain to me what the appeal of Omega Red was? Like, Russian, yet he was blonde, yet he had tentacles, yet he had, like, six different action figures. Yeah, what else do you need to explain? But no, that's the thing, though, like... I, I know you and I, Andy, will have beef sometimes when it comes to Bendis. You are not a Brian Michael Bendis fan. Right. And, and I tend to really enjoy Bendis stuff. Yeah. That does remind me of something where I think we're diametrically opposed. What's that? Uh, Chad and I actually enjoyed the Dan Slot, Mike Aldred, Surfer well, Run. I was just going to say, but everyone hates what Dan Slot does to their favorite character, but likes what Dan Slot does to other characters. Right. So are we opposed or are we in agreement on what Dan Slot is, which is an evil, evil man when it comes <laughs> to your favorite character? Oh my goodness. This is supposed to be the thanks here on I, Thanksgiving, not calling folks evil, but no, but I, I agree. I can't argue. He wrote Spider-Man for like 10 years. I hated just about all of it. <laughs> and I was not a fan of his Fantastic Four run. But I don't care about the Silver Surfer. Never have. And boy, was Mike Allred's art beautiful. Especially oh. that Mobius strip issue. That was just ingenious. And it was like Doctor Who. But I don't watch Doctor Who, so it was all new to me. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, really. It wasn't that terrible, J.A. Yeah, it was. Yes, 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 it was. <laughs> I, I honestly think, to the to the benefit or detriment, depending on how you want to look at it, one of the things about our podcast is we generally try to find the good in comics. We like comics. We enjoy reading. We enjoy talking about them. We have fun doing this stuff. Somebody can usually find something good about it. So it's hard to find stuff that we are too far apart on, right. at least at the end of the day. Like yeah. somebody can I, find I, something. Yeah, like. I mean, even with the dance lot, Mike Aldred, Silver Surfer, I was glad that at least Silver Surfer had a book out. <laughs> It was nice that there was a book, that there were stories to read. It's too bad that they were horrible stories, but at least they were stories. (laughs) Is there characters that we can all agree stink? Like, how about that? That maybe is an interesting question. Like, we all hate Green Lantern, right? Like, we all hate him. Like, he's... Black Adam? I don't know. Or was it just that story that we had to read that was bad? Black Adam was awful. Um, I still love The Rock, though. That's true. Yeah, I don't think the Black Adam character is so bad. As it's just the story was bad. I think he was yeah. he was not given a lot to do. What about Spawn? Do we like Spawn or no? I do not like Spawn. I, I, I am not a fan of the Spawn. Yeah, the pictures are pretty. The young oh. one character with the bow that has no bowstring. Shaft! Never understood how he shot the arrows with no bowstring. He's all shaft, baby. Doesn't need a string. <laughs> there one guy called Grimlock on there. Am I am I remembering uh, that right? No, you're, yeah, that's Grimlock. the Transformer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. By the way, the best Transformer. But- oh, yeah. There's no question about that. He is the best. Him and then maybe Starscream and then Soundwave. Yeah, they're, they're in the top three. Anyways, yeah, no, it was Bedrock. And then eventually... Yeah. No, Bad Rock? Yeah, three issues in, he got sued, so it became Bad Rock for the rest <laughs> of the run. Wait, wait, why Why did he get sued? Who sued him? He, he got Yabba Dabba sued. 
I just love those issues of, of Youngblood because at the time, J.A. was reading some of them and he was just like, you know what? I'm going to come up with comic book characters. One of them is going to be named Topside. <laughs> <laughs> like, that is a Rob Liefeld name. Everybody talks smack on the Rob Liefeld, but he brings energy. He's fun. I don't care. Okay. You guys hate Rob Liefeld. Well, somebody else that brings a lot of fun and has done so in the past is Kaylin Smith, the wonderful comic writer and artist of wonderful things like Plume and Hope and uh, For Goodness Sake. And she's got a great web comic out there right now. And she left us a voicemail message. Let's take a listen to what the wonderful Kaylin Smith said. Loading message 6111. Hi guys, Kaylin Smith here, and I want to wish you a very happy 100th episode. Holy crap, you did it. It was an absolute blast being on the show, and I can't wait until we hang out again. And now, I gotta ask, have you ever regretted reading a comic book? Again, guys, congrats, and on to the next 100. All right, so that was a great question by Kaylin Smith. She can come back on our show anytime. Definitely uh, a, a ray of sunshine among these dusty comic book shelves. Heck yeah, and always pleasant to run into at the comic conventions. Oh yes, she's one that I, I definitely love chatting with every single time I get an opportunity to. But yeah, comic books that we have regretted reading. Boy, I've read so many that yeah, there's a good long list of those that I can probably think of off the top of my head. From Hell by uh, Alan Moore, people... We'll probably give me shit about that, but like, boy, that was a slog. I can't get yeah. those two weeks back. Uh, yeah, I, I rarely regret reading books, even if they're bad. But uh, the one for me is what I recommended before I finished, and I feel kind of guilty about that. On our our 2021 Christmas show, I told JA, I was like, "Oh, you have to check out Amazing Fantasy," which I had read the first issue and it had some promise there. And I had seen the covers, and I'm like, oh, you should see, there's Mohawk Storm. And it's, you know, uh, Frank Frazetta, you know, Conan the Barbarian-esque, but in space style, and it looked real cool. And then we read the story, and oh, oh, I shouldn't have recommended that one. So, <laughs> that's a regret. Oh, no, I, I don't regret that just simply because it had nice covers. Like, at the end of the day, I still enjoyed the covers and the art was still pretty good. You're right. It was kind of a letdown of a story compared to what it promised. You're right, Chad. You know, the difficulty thing is art is art. But yeah, uh, Avengers Disassembled. Boy, that was a regret. Shouldn't have read that. That just made me angry. Uh, <laughs> Turned you against Bendis forever. 30 years did. later. And, and going hand in hand with that. Civil War 2. Boy, that was awful. That was awful. Talk about writing a, a series uh, just around the fact that there was an original Civil War. Somebody at the top level of Marvel is just like, this is all the things we have to do. We have to kill Hulk. We have to bring a lot of new characters in. We have to have Captain Marvel be more prominent in the universe. We have to have uh, Iron Man be a douche nozzle again. Uh, uh, let's come up with an event that, that does all these things. And you're just like, yeah, I guess we can do this, but you're not reading a story. You're reading a story outline, right? Exactly. You're re you're reading a grocery list, cheese, milk. These are the things you got to pick up, not a cohesive narrative. There's so many events that I read that I regretted reading uh, infinite crisis. That sucked. Uh, final crisis. That sucked. Wait, one of them gave us Jamie Reyes, the, the cool blue beetle. They also shot the, the other cool blue beetle, Ted Cord, the head that started off. So yeah, never mind. You're, I'm with there, you. There, there was that, what was it? Final Crisis was the one with like Darkseid being just like a hobo in the basement. Right. It's like, oh, really? Really? This is kind of dumb. J.A., you haven't said a lick. What have you regretted? So I was originally going to say I regretted uh, reading Hard Corpse. <laughs> because Don't ever I was, say for a second you regretted any of those Valiant titles. You were like Valiant fanboy number I, one. Because I was Valiant fanboy, exactly. And that was like the start of, well, maybe it's not so great. But then I really thought about it. And it was Rye and the Future Force. Oh, because geez. I so loved Rye, the original character of Rye. And then they reimagined him and he got bloodshots, blood in him. 
And that was just like, ugh. And it was the beginning of the end for my love of Valiant and all things Valiant. And then I think like maybe half a year later, I sold all my comic books. And like a month after that, the bubble burst. And all the comic books that I sold for like $40, $50, $60 were worth like nothing. So would you say Ryan the Future Force is where things started going awry? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I did have a question for you, though, because as a huge Valiant fan, what are your thoughts on Ninjak? One of the, like the most popular, famous Valiant characters, but he was one of those characters that came in at the tail end. So, like, do you like Ninjak? No, and also not a big fan of Bloodshot. So, Shadow Man, yes, kind of cool. Solar, definitely. Magnus, definitely. Archer and Armstrong, yes. Eternal Warrior, yes. Yeah, Harbinger, the originals, yes. Sting and... Exo? Exo Man of the War, as I recommended a couple of uh, weeks ago, the original issues were pretty good, and then after that, it was it was okay. When they got rid of the man out of time aspect of it, and he was just this rich guy who has a suit of armor, it was a bit like he's Iron Man, but, you know, from Sweden. It's a Swedish Iron Man. <laughs> It's always nice hearing you talk about Valiant, so that is never. Hey, uh, hey, Andy, hey, um, there's a there's a thing with the with the smoke and the thing. I don't think it's supposed to burn like that. <laughs> Did you somebody put the turkey in the, the archive Rama 3000? I, I told you guys not to cook with it. <laughs> we gotta oh. place house. <laughs> oh man. Oh, but there, well, there goes the Archive Rama 3. Yeah. What are we going to do? We still have show. That's what true. We, we do have show, and we don't have any more voicemail messages. We're stuck. We can't just go to end break. This is our 100th show. Whoa. Hey, guys. How's, how's it going down here? I heard a noise. Oh, my gosh. It's George from Short Box Summary. <laughs> this is awesome. What are the chances? <laughs> The Archive Rama 3000 breaks and you stroll into the shop. Oh, welcome, welcome. Do you have a question for us? Because that's what we're doing right now. I know you're probably here for some other reason. I do. I got to say that this place is huge. Why don't we ever hang out down here? There's six air hockey tables. I feel like I'm in a drug dealer's basement. What's what's going on? (laughs) Well, it's J.A. He loves air hockey. And we got one, and then we had to get another because that one was the Canadian one. And it's all about the airflow, too. You've got to get the perfect airflow coming up from the bottom of the table or the pucks won't work. (laughs) I hate a sticky puck. So what's your question, George, and to finish off our 100th episode? I'm sick of people flip-flopping. Andy, Chad, Jay. Uh I need people to make a stand. I want you to plant a flag and make a definitive statement. Okay. Ooh. Okay. So ready to plant. <laughs> that's right. My soil is ready. <laughs> Mulch away. So we all know the MCU. We all like the MCU. Some of us even love the MCU. But I want to know what is the official last comic shop ranking of the top five pre-MCU Marvel movies. I want this to be the definitive list that this is the official stamp of Last Comic Shop. Wow. Um, do, do we brainstorm on this, or do I just tell you the answer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it comes down to which is better, Spider-Man 2 or Spider-Man or 2.1. You're right. Or X- <laughs> no, or X Men Two. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's got a point. X Two is a pretty damn X2. good movie. Listen, yeah, it- I like Frazier as much as the next guy, but that doesn't compete with Spider Man Two Point One and J K Simmons and the best casting ever in a comic book movie, nay, any movie in the history of cinema as Our- Jonah Jameson. Fine. So that's our number one. I, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to plant that flag, and I'll back that up. Majority rules. Number one is Spider-Man <laughs> 2. That is the best pre-MCU Marvel movie. That's the best one. Number two, I'm going to give J.A. his pick of X2. I think, sincerely, X2 is a really great movie. It's probably the best one of that particular franchise as well. So those are the best two. After that, we get four. shaky. 
It Ooh. gets real. Well, no, you could. What about Blade? No, no, because hear me out. You could call Blade the precursor to all of this because it was it came I think before even X Men and the Spider Man movie. It was two years before X Men, so we talk about this a lot on Shortbox Summer. We haven't done a ranking yet because I'm not brave enough to do it, to be honest. Right. But you three are the bravest people I know. You spent all this money on air hockey tables. The least you could do <laughs> is rank your movies. So I'm just going to throw out some some other movies that fall under this banner. So we also we got Blade. Thank you, Jay, okay. for mentioning that. That would be in my top three for sure. The original X-Men, Blade 2, Spider-Man, Daredevil, X2, Ang Lee's Hulk, which I want to say is a bad Hulk movie, but an incredible Bruce Banner movie. I agree with that one. There was some neat stuff in there and Hulk dogs. I watched so much behind the scenes stuff. Industrial Light and Magic was so proud of that poodle. That was, he did all that, <laughs> that, that panel stuff in that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I actually really liked that. I wish that was something that would have continued in, in a better movie. Anyway, uh, uh, any, any others? The Punisher. Which one? Okay. <laughs> Which <laughs> one? The Thomas, J, the Thomas Jane one? The Thomas Jane one. That, that oh, one's no, not no, bad. No, 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 yeah, no. Yes, Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. Punisher in name only with, with Dolph Lundgren. Spider-Man 2, Blade Trinity, Elektra, Fantastic Four, X-Men The Last Stand, Ghost Rider, Spider-Man 3, Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. And then the next movie to come out was Iron Man. So they, all everything after that, I'm sorry, Punisher Warzone. I'm sorry, X-Men Origins Wolverine. I'm sorry, First Class. You don't count. You're in a post-MCU world. Yeah, you don't need to apologize for any of those. Hold on. Where is Howard the Duck? Howard the Duck is a pre-MCU Marvel movie directed by George Lucas. It's got a duck and a girl having sex. Leah Thompson, of all people. Good guy. Leah Thompson. Uh, I try to be really positive on Shortbox Summary. I love your show because you also try to be positive. You disagree with each other all the time, but it never feels personal. <laughs> it never feels like it's bordering violent. It never feels like a conversation that nerds are having. It feels like a conversation that adults are having, which is why I like your show so much. That said, d- screw Howard the Duck. Screw Howard the Duck all the way into the sun. I, I try to be positive, but that movie, there's literally nothing redeeming about that movie. Oh, yeah, man. that's a toughie. All right. Let me let me throw one out there for the crowd again, and you guys know I have my my penchant for the uh, the director's cuts of movies. Mm-hmm. You you know I love Daredevil, the director's cut. Yes, which has a hundred percent more Coolio, and is therefore one hundred percent more Coolio. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I haven't seen it, so I can't rank it. I. I I, uh, that's that's a stretch. You're right. It's 100% more Coolio. It's also 30 minutes longer than the theatrical cut. Yeah. Uh, listen, Michael uh, Clark Duncan is yeah. Kingpin is inspired casting. But Jennifer Gardner as Electra? It's like she's definitely not Greek. The most like foreign she is is like Toronto. Like we, we talked about that. <laughs> <on the show. laughs> as long as you ignore the Electra movie, I thought it was fine for this one. Look. Anyway, any other ideas for three on uh, Number three for me has got to be Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, if Spider-Man. I'm going to go Spider-Man 2, X2, Spider-Man's probably number three. Spider-Man 3 is garbage for the most part, but Spider-Man uh, is a fairly decent movie. They did too much in Spider-Man 3. Jay, yeah. any thoughts? I liked it, yeah. And it was the first time we'd seen something like that done. The last movie we had was Spider-Man was that, like, Japanese Spider-Man. <laughs> And two, the other thing I love about the Spider-Man movie that everybody sort of forgets, that was one of the first big movies post 9-11. And boy, did it capture that feeling. Parts of it might be a little bit cheesy, and it's it's not a perfect movie. And boy, would I have loved had they gone a different route with the Green Goblin costume. But uh, it was the right movie at the right time. And Randy Savage was so into his role that he spent 30 years wrestling Preparing for that role, because you know, Bonesaw is ready. Okay, Andy, fun fact. One of my friends, a guy, Aaron, one of my favorite people, he is holding one of, he, I think he's holding the O for the Bonesaw sign in in the stands. That was <laughs> oh, his first awesome. day. He just moved awesome. to LA and his buddies were like extras and like, hey, we need you. Like, can you come tonight? <laughs> and so he's the O in Bonesaw. That is one of the best stories I've heard. 
that's the top three. So then we got four or five. Are there any other good Blade. ones? Well, you got to put Blade in there. Five. Blade's four. Wesley Snipes. Five. Is Blade better than Blade 2, though? Blade yes. 2 have Ryan Reynolds in it. That's Blade, that's three. Blade that's 3. That's Trinity. Dang it. Which one's the one with Triple H? That's 3 as well. Trinity. Ah, son of a gun. Can we go with Blade 3? No. Yeah. We have Stephen Dorff on this list. I don't know. <laughs> Stephen. Stephen Dorff. Stephen Dorff. My apologies. Right. Well, I, um, so yeah, we've got the top four. Number five. If it's not Daredevil, the uh, director's cut, then I go back to X1. Surprisingly good on such a yeah. low Really? Mm, what about uh, other than practice as a B-cloud? Uh, the Silver uh, Surfer was pretty good in Rise of Silver. I mean, it was a bad movie. My sad admission, I've never seen it all the way through. I fell asleep oh. four times. You're missing out. That's a quality movie. I, I like the original Fantastic Four, too. Michael Chiklis is the thing that yeah. I like just saying his name. It's like Chiklis. Yeah, like <laughs> Doctor Doom in that is so bad. That's a, they're great movies. To fall I think asleep X-Men. <laughs> They're melatonin the movie. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I think X-Men, X-Men 2, Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, and Blade. That's our five. Alright, there you go. That's our flag. We have we have planted it. Well, they're not looking. I'm gonna sneak Daredevil the director's cut on this list. <laughs> it's so coolio! No! We have planted our flag. We are done. And make sure that you come back for more flag planting in future with our next 100 episodes of The Last Comic Shop. You can do that by going out to our website, www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. It's a terrific place where you can find all of our episodes. They're evergreen. You know, if you've read a book and you're like, gosh, now I got to see if The Last Comic Shop has an episode about it. Do that thing. Download them all. Spend your Thanksgiving, your Black Friday as you're shopping for deals. Spend it listening to our show because we'll keep you in plenty of turkey and stuffing for sure. That's 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 our promise. I was going to say that segues perfectly into a poll. We'll have to run. What is the best non-MCU Marvel movie? That's not fair. I don't want to, like, all due, res- all due respect to, like, uh, Logan, but, like, I mean, it's a little playing with a stacked deck against the original Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't bring a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> Chad, where can they find that poll that will be out this week? Uh, on the social medias, we are at Last Comic Shop, or you can always head back to the website, Last Comic Shop Podcast. Jay, what do we have to celebrate our 100th episode? We have a new redesigned t-shirt, maybe. Okay. Yeah. It's getting to the Christmas month. Make sure that you're checking out our Christmas version of the Last Comic Shop shirt. And then with the Christmas logo, it'll be back just in time for the holidays. It's Black Friday. Get out to the, our website. Those things will be on sale. So make sure that you pick up that holiday shirt for your loved ones this Christmas. Can we get some Last Comic Shop jammies? <laughs> with the feet? With the feeties? I need some, I need some coasters personally, and uh, a big thing I want in my house is you know those old like bubble gum like you put a quarter in and then and then you twist it. Yeah. I, if I could get a last comic shop one of those, uh, nice. We will look into that, sir. Like a vending machine? That's not quite what I'm thinking of. No, like a gumball machine. Gumball, gumball machine. Gumball machine. That go. is the word. There Sorry. You go. It's hard to think over the sound of all Tom's these air boat. hockey pucks hitting the walls. <laughs> Very so, nice. uh, make sure that you check out that merch, and uh, also make sure that you check out Short Box Summary. George, thank you so much for saving the last half of this final segment of our show by asking this question. Uh, so why did why did you stop by? Oh, I was hoping to pick up my pull list. Oh yeah, that's right. We're we're a comic shop. Um, while uh, while I take care of that, make sure that you take care of coming back to the last comic shop. I'm the host of the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith, J.A. Scott, and again, thank you for listening to our first hundred episodes. Remember, until next week, stay safe, stay listening, because we've got more stuff for you. And remember that we're all turkeys here. Speak for yourself. I'm the turkey turkey. Thanks for all the people that sent in questions. Thanks for all the people that downloaded us. Thanks for all the hundred whatchamahoosins and whosomewhatsons.
in the not too distant future. Following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to the last comic shop. The last comic shop was a 2022 Black Angus production.